If you take your Bibles with me and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. In just a moment, we're going to be reading from verses 7 down through 12. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because of this, you were called to inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see the good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Father God, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. We pray that you give us ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord would say. And that you'd speak to our hearts very clearly and concisely today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our message today, I'm going to share with you the title of our message in just a moment. But this week there were, I know from the church, there were a number of people who were moving or who were packing. Becky's parents are moved up to the Harrisburg area from Virginia Beach. Tim and Chris are getting another place and they're moving. Jeff and Alana's mom was moving. And, and, and it's kind of funny, not just in their moves, but in seeing people move over the years, it's kind of funny how different people take different approaches to the way they move. Now, you know this, typically when you move stuff, you move a home, typically something is going to get scratched or dented or broken. And typically it's the stuff that you really don't want to get scratched, dented or broken. The the stuff that you're really trying to be careful about, there's always going to be a vase that falls or a, a box that gets thrown and broken. But it's funny how different people treat their stuff. Some people put moving blankets on everything. Everything is wrapped and they gently carry it out the door. They don't want it to touch against the wall. They don't want it to touch against anything. Everything is packed with newspapers wrapped around every dish and everything's just packed so neat and taped very tightly so that nothing shifts. They don't want anything to shift or break. Others just drag it across the floor bounce it down the steps and throw it in the back of the truck. It's also a unique experience to watch as other people who help, who are helping someone move, interact with that person's stuff. Because there's some people, when they're moving, and they're helping, they're helping with other people's stuff, they're very gentle and very cautious about it. And they're wrapping stuff up and making sure that everything goes okay. There's some who, they'll pick up a box and it'll say, cautious fragile. And what that means to them is, oh my goodness, this is a family heirloom. It means that there's probably some expensive vase in here. There's probably something of great value in there. And so they gently pick it up and carry it. To other people, whenever it says fragile handle with care, it means absolutely nothing. You just throw it on the truck. So it's kind of ironic watching that. In my opinion, when the boxes start coming, a good move concerning the boxes involves labeling the boxes 
so that you know what they are and where they are supposed to go. When you do a move, it's nice to have things labeled on the box, and it'll say your son's bedroom or your daughter's bedroom or the kitchen or the dining room. It's nice to even have a little list on the outside of what it is so you know where it goes. One of the things that we often see written on boxes, though, is that word, fragile. And today, I want to talk to you about relationships. You know we're doing our series on relationships. And I'd like to talk to you about relationships, fragile, handle with care. Relationships, just as boxes are important when you're moving, relationships are incredibly valuable in our lives. And not every relationship can be handled the exact same way. Relationships need to be handled with care, particularly for the guys. First of all, in our message, I'd like to address this to the gentlemen. And I'd like to raise the level of awareness about things that are fragile, about people and relationships that are fragile, things that need to be handled, as I said, with care. Because if we don't understand that certain things need to be handled in a more careful or cautious manner, you and I will constantly be breaking things. Listen to what verse 7 says, and I want to read it to you from the International Standard Version. It says, in a similar way, you husbands must live with your wives in an understanding manner, as with a most delicate vessel. Honor them as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will interfere with your prayers. Now, many of you know Skip, he comes to the second service. And Skip works as a mechanic on heavy-duty, earth-moving equipment. He works on bulldozers and loaders and things like that. Equipment failure, whenever a piece of equipment is down, and it's, if it's an important piece of equipment on a particular job, it can cost them literally thousands of dollars a day to have just one piece of equipment down. So it's vital that Skip know how to get things fixed, that he take care of things in a very quick manner, very timely manner. But do you know what things Skip uses to fix stuff? He uses things like sledgehammers. That's a delicate tool. And what Skip does, a sledgehammer, a pry bar, A cutting torch, a welder. He uses wrenches that are probably like this big. And then he beats on them with the sledgehammer. Now, here's the challenge. You have someone who is fixing things and doing... Everyone, whenever a piece of equipment's broken down, Skip comes in, the whole job is stopped because of this. He breaks out his sledgehammer and starts beating on something or his cutting torch and cutting something, he becomes the hero at the end of the day. Wow, you got that fixed. Look what you did. All it needs is typically, oftentimes, it just needs a little bit more force. It just needs a little bit more persuasion to get it in the right place, and then it works perfectly. Isn't that something? But oftentimes what we do is we think that that because it worked there, If Skip tried to go in and use a rubber mallet to fix things, it wouldn't work. If he tried to gently push it a little bit, if he covered it with a rag and so he didn't scratch it, he wouldn't get anything done. 
he would be a horrible mechanic if that's the way he dealt with things. For many gentlemen, we associate the words fragile or weaker in a negative light. Husbands, live with your wife as a weaker vessel. Well, let's just be honest. For guys, how many of you want to be the weakest link? It's like, that's not what I want to be. How many of you want to be like the weakest guy on the football team? No, you don't want to be the weakest guy. You don't want to be the most. How many of you guys would like to be considered fragile? You'd be like, no. In most guys' minds, fragile and weakness is not an attribute that they look for. It's not something that we esteem. Let's put it that way. Have you ever seen guys, think about this, think about a car show. Have you ever seen guys at a car show with the hood of their car showing off their three-cylinder Geo Metro? You'll never see it. You will never go to a car show with guys with three-cylinder Geo Metros. It's just not going to happen. Now, some of you may have had Geo Metros, and you may may get great gas mileage, okay? But guys are not typically going to be bragging about their Geo Metro with the hood up. Okay, if a guy has an old Mustang or he has a a Corvette or, you know, something like that, he'll have the hood up and he'll be telling you about how many horsepower it produces and how fast it can do the quarter mile. But he's not typically going to be showing off his Geo Metro. There's just something about it. On Monday, we're going to see hunters will enter the woods all across Pennsylvania. And you will hear guys say, I heard someone yesterday say, This is a Winchester 300 Magnum, 3,000 feet per second. Remington, I'm sorry. A Remington 300 Magnum, 3,000 feet per second. I've heard those guns. I've heard a 300 shoot in the woods. And literally, it's like whoosh. I mean, the whole, you feel the concussion when you're around it. You don't typically guys have guys breaking out their Crossman 760 Pumpmaster BB gun and showing it off to the guys at the hunting club. It just doesn't happen. You may have a BB gun, and you may have had it since you were a little kid, but typically a guy is not going to break out his little Crossman 760 Pump Master and show it off and say, look what I got. Okay? Why? Because there's just something about guys that just, well, that's just a BB gun. Let me show you my powerful gun. Here's the problem. If Skip tries, let's go back to Skip. If Skip tries to fix everything using the cutting torch, the pry bar, the sledgehammer, it's not going to work. But the challenge is this. It works so good on my job. I couldn't do my job without this sledgehammer. I couldn't do my job. I couldn't do my job without this cutting torch. It works perfectly there. All it needs is a little persuasion. I can't understand why this doesn't work on my computer. I can't understand why this doesn't work on my watch. I can't understand why this doesn't work on the blender or the TV. I can't understand sometimes why the things that work so well on a job don't work at home. I don't understand that sometimes. It makes sense to me. It works perfect on the job. It causes men to excel on the job. It causes men to get promoted on the job. It causes men to get raises and to have other companies looking at them. But that same thing that works on the job doesn't work with my kids. Why don't it work there? Why doesn't it work with our wives? 
I appreciate the word delicate vessel. That's what the scripture said in the one version, International Standard Version. It says, live with your wife as with a most delicate vessel. A weaker vessel doesn't sound so good. It's like, well, that's there again, the weaker link. I don't like that sound. Delicate vessel makes you understand, wait a minute. This is something of value. This is something that's precious. This is something that you got to be careful with. Husbands are to seek to dwell with their wives, according to scripture, in an understanding manner and to honor them so that nothing will hinder their prayers. Well, if all I understand is sledgehammers and cutting torches and pry bars, the scripture says that I'm to seek to live with my wife in an understanding manner. I need to look beyond what's worked really good for me in other areas of my life. The way we interact with or motivate other guys on a construction site, on the football field, in the gym doesn't work with their daughters. Somehow it just doesn't work. In verse eight, it says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. It's not just husbands or gentlemen that are addressed here. This message is addressed to all of you. There was a specific message to the husband's And there's a specific message to all of us, all of you. It says, live in harmony, be sympathetic, be compassionate, be humble, and love as brothers. Now, last week we talked about to you about this. One of the reasons why it's really important that we have healthy relationships. Because when the scripture says to love as brothers, well, like if you've not talked to your brother in like 13 years because of something somebody said, it's going to be really difficult for you to love other people in a proper manner. And people will say this. They'll say, no, I can compartmentalize that. I can just cut off a relationship with this person and it won't affect anything else in my life. But friend, it does. There's certain relationships, those relationships up in our family. There's certain people who God has brought into our lives that Those relationships are just key to our very being. They really affect who we are. And for us to think that we can just cut them off and then we can love everybody else like we're supposed to, it affects us in ways that we don't understand. And we may say, no, it doesn't affect me. I'm different. Friend, let's not deceive ourselves. So we're to live in harmony. How am I to treat other people? I'm to do everything that I can to live in harmony. What a great job our students did for us today. We appreciate them using their gifts and talents for the Lord. Whenever some of our other worship teams are playing, you'll notice Lori does a lot of harmonies. And she will listen to what the other person is doing. And then her and Kelly will find certain notes, as it were, or certain things that they can sing that will sound good, that go well with what that other person is doing. They harmonize. And you and I, what we need to do is instead of just doing what we want to do all the time, well, this is the way I am. Like it or leave it. That's really not the attitude we're to have. To live in harmony means I'm willing to make some adjustments. You may not be doing everything exactly the way that I would do it, but I can make some adjustments. I can flex. 
I can make some adjustments so that we are in harmony together. So that whenever in a home, so that when we're coming together, it's not like, have you ever heard certain notes? You know, you play this note and this and another note together. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Oh. And that's sometimes the way it sounds in people's homes. But you and I need to be able to make some adjustments and flex a little bit. And that's what really living in harmony is. The verse 9 says this. Well, with that, let me just go on a minute. We're to be sympathetic and we're to be compassionate. You know, a lot of times we want sympathy, but we don't necessarily want to give it. Especially if for some reason in a relationship we feel slighted or we feel like we've been hurt. We'll want all the sympathy in the world. Well, you just don't understand. They just don't understand. And yet we don't want to give sympathy to them. Maybe they don't understand. Maybe there's things that they're going through that I don't understand. And it says to be the compassionate, to look upon someone with pity, not in a, oh my, what a terrible, but with pity in our hearts. And underst- it goes back to that idea of that understanding manner that husbands are to live with their wives. Verse 9 tells us this. It says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing." Because of this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Let me say it to you again. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because of this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. There's a blessing that God has for you. Okay? There's a blessing that God has for you. It's your inheritance. It's stored up for you. But to receive it, we cannot be repaying evil for evil or insult for insult. As a Christian, you and I can live on one of three levels. Okay? We can live on one of three levels. We can return evil for good, which is a satanic level. That's what the devil does. can return Someone does good to you, someone is kind to you, someone reaches out to you, and you return evil for good. That's what Satan does. That's like sub-level. You don't want to be living there. And as a believer, you and I should never be caught in that place. We should never return evil for good. On the second level, there's another level that we can live on. We can return good for good. And on that level... It's an evil for evil, and that's a human level. Okay? You're nice to me, so I'll be nice to you. You like me, I like you. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. You shovel my snow one week, and I help you with your project next week. That's just a mere human level. And we can operate on that. You know what? That's where most people Many people who are Christians live. As long as you don't do too much bad to me, I won't do too much to bad to you. If you don't say bad things about me, I won't say anything bad about you. If you don't criticize me, I won't criticize you. If you're nice to me, I'm going to be pretty nice to you. If you help me out, I'll help you out. I kind of owe you one. And we think that that's where we're really pleased when we do that. You know, like we really feel spiritual. Man, I am a good guy. I'm really a good guy. And we're nice to people who are nice to us. And we have a nice response or a nice reply to people who have a nice reply to us. And we feel, honestly, we feel really good about that. 
We're saying, hey, you know, I'm a nice guy. I'm a good guy. That's that human level. And there's a third level that we can live on. And that's when you return good for evil, which is a divine level. Jesus is a perfect example of this latter approach. And as children of God, we must do more than give an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which is the basis of justice. You know, there's a lot of people who say they want justice. We believe in justice. I don't want justice. I'll just tell you right up. I like mercy when it applies to me. When it applies to you, I'm okay with justice. Right? Isn't that how we are? When you've done something to me, I want justice. When I've done something to you or to somebody else or to God, I don't want justice. What do I want? I'm saying, I want mercy, God. Is there a problem that you continue to deal with? Because there's been no justice. Is there a situation in your life where you feel like it's not fair? That's what justice is. We want it to be fair. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Is there a relationship that you're in where you feel that somehow justice is missing? Perhaps it would be someone has offended you and they've never really making it right. You and I, we can demand justice, but if you demand justice, then justice will be demanded of you. You remember the parable of the servant who had been forgiven much and he goes out and he finds a guy who owes him a little bit and he grabs him and shakes him down and he says, pay me back. You owe me, pay me back. And he has the guy thrown into prison. And whenever the king hears about it, he comes back after him. And he says, what were you doing? I forgave you all of this and you won't be forgiven. And he says, having thrown into prison, turned over to the tormentors until he's able to pay back everything. Now, I want to say this to you. If you demand justice in your relationships... And on one hand, I guess you have a right to demand justice. Then if you owe anybody anything, if you ever need mercy, if you've been forgiven much, then what happens so many times is you'll see the people who demand justice are oftentimes handed over to the tormentors. There's an emotional torment that's in their mind. There's this stress and anxieties and fears and things that just torment their mind. And they think that that other person, they're blaming that other person. But friend, when you and I do not show mercy, when you and I demand justice, then justice will be demanded of us. You know, the cool thing is, have you ever noticed this? When someone hurts you or someone offends you, you can hold on to it for a long time. But whenever you choose to let it go, when you choose to bless them, For you, let's not talk about them. Let's talk about you. For you, when you choose to let that stuff go, there is a peace that just begins to fill your heart. Clenching of your teeth and the grinding of your teeth at night kind of stops. Your dentist is like, wow, what, you wearing a mouth guard? No, I'm just not ticked off at so-and-so anymore. The pressure in your stomach and the tenseness. It's like there's just this peace that comes When we determine in our hearts, I've been forgiven a lot. 
I'm not going to hold that to their account. You can. You can demand justice, friend. But what is going to be demanded of you? What's going to be required of you? You can require it of them. You can say, you owe me an apology. You owe to make this right. You need to do this. You need to do that. You can. What will be required of you? Because when we don't forgive, our Heavenly Father doesn't forgive us. When I return good for evil, I'm operating in another dimension. Don't ever want to be in that satanic dimension, okay, where we're returning evil for good. We don't ever want to be there. We kind of like hanging out in that fleshly dimension where when you're good to me, I'll be good to you, that human dimension. But when we return good for evil, we're moving into a dimension of the spirit. And it sets us up to inherit a blessing. You may never get a blessing from the person who insulted you or hurt you or offended you in some way. But you will receive a blessing from the Lord. And friends, God can bless you. God can bless you in ways that you don't know are even possible. His blessings and his riches are beyond our comprehension. I mean, God can bring favor in your life in a moment that a billion dollars couldn't buy. God can do it in in just an instant. And when you and I move to that point where we're returning good for evil, we're positioning ourselves to be blessed by the Lord. Wait, you're not trying to do this yourself. You're not trying to look out for yourself. Uh, You know, how many times do I share with you that that, that thing where I just really felt like God spoke to me? Are you going to handle this one or am I? It was like, God, you know, you want to get revenge or you want to get your way or you want to make things right. And God's just like, well, do you want to handle this or do you want me to? No, I, and for a while, like, I'll take this one, God, back off. Have you ever been there? I'll take this one, God, just back off. And then you realize the pressures and the stress and the anxiety that puts on you and the joy that you give up and the peace that you give up. And before long, hopefully we're smart enough to say, God, I, I'll take my hands off. I'll let that one to you. Look at verse 10. It says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Peter quotes the psalmist here, and he offers a piece of advice. If you want to have a good life, if you want your days to go well, then guard your tongue. Don't speak evil against another. Also, he speaks about avoiding deceitful speech. You know, that's saying things that make the other person look bad And you good. Whenever someone has hurt or offended you, oftentimes you can tell your story and your story can make them look really bad, right? You know, there's things that we can say about other people that tears them down and we can rehearse those things in our minds. And we may say, well, no, it's not a lie. It's my perspective. But all you're giving is your perspective, right? 
I want you to think about this. Let's say this. Let's say you have a coworker. Imagine a situation like this. A coworker arrived five minutes late for work again today. And you may come home and tell your wife or other people about the coworker. So-and-so's five minutes late again for work today. I'm always 10 minutes early. I'm always right there ready to go. Whenever it's time to work, I'm there 7 to 3.30. I'm never late. They were late again today. But, you know, Fred, he's always late. What I fail to tell you is that we both have the same position. We both make the same salary. But Fred came back again to work in the evening because of an emergency. And he worked till 2 in the morning. And so he's five minutes late, but he works till 2. But I refuse to answer my phone. I leave that part out. But Fred's late for work again. And, you know, people listen to your story and like, wow, that Fred, why does the boss keep Fred around? Well, the reason why the boss keeps Fred around, Fred was five minutes late, but he came in and worked for five hours in the evening when something needed fixed. And, you know, we can, whenever there's situations that come up, we can tell the story and we always have, we can leave out certain parts that somehow don't make us look quite as good. You know what I mean? And the scripture says that we're to avoid that kind of deceitful speech. Keep your lips from evil. I don't need to talk bad about other people. If someone says something about you or someone says something that hurts you, we don't have to say anything. Keep your lips from evil. And stay away from this idea of deceitful speech, telling a story so that it somehow makes us look better. In spite of what other people do, it does not give me an excuse to do wrong. Can that soak in just for a minute? In spite of what someone else does or doesn't do. Well, they, they, she, he, that. It doesn't give me an excuse. God doesn't change his word because someone else sins. God doesn't change his standards for you and I because someone else does wrong. He never changes his standards for us. Someone else doing wrong does not excuse you and I to do wrong. Internally it does. We want to get back at him or we want to respond. If your spouse says something harsh, we want to say something harsh back. If someone is neglectful to you, you want to be neglectful to them. If someone doesn't have time for you, you don't want to have time for them. But someone else's sin or offense is never going to be an excuse for us. Because the reality is really not about them. It's about us and our character. Our character. You know what? As men and women of God... Our character will not allow us to respond in certain ways. Well, they did this and they did that. Well, that's not me. Well, they said this and they said that. Once again, has nothing to do with me. What, what a beautiful thing when you understand as a believer that your character, the person who God is making you into and growing you into, chooses freely not to respond to certain things and not to react to certain things. Why? Because it's who you are. 
You're not the person who you used to be. What a beautiful truth is that the Spirit of God living in us gives us self-control. That whether they respond the way I want them to or not doesn't really matter. Because it's not about who they are, it's about who I am. Oh, I wish we'd get that in our heart. It's about who I am. It's not about what you did. It's not about what you said. It's not about what your kids said or your wife said or your grandmom said. It's about who you are in Jesus Christ. I wrote this down. It's ironic how people at times will be so upset because of the injustice or sin of another person's actions, and then they will end up revealing that they have even less character than that person that they're upset with. You ever notice that? You'll get someone who's a Christian, and they're so upset that another Christian or another person could behave this way or act this way, and then they're so upset by it Eventually, their actions reveal that their character's even less than the person who they're upset with. Why would you allow yourself to do that? You don't have to respond that way. Yet what we find is this. We find that it's almost like we're enticed. Someone else's wrong behavior, it entices us. It's like a temptation there for us to get back at them. The word says this. We are to turn from evil and do good. There are certain times that evil is right before you enticing you. But instead of giving into it, we are to do good. When someone says something bad about you, you're not just supposed to keep your mouth shut. You're to do something good for them. Wow. Pastor, you mean in my relationships, if my spouse says an insult against me, I'm not just to walk away and keep my mouth shut? Nope. Feel really good about that, don't we? We're like, yes! Ah, I, can't, I can only do it like twice, but you know, my endurance isn't that high. But they said something twice, and I kept my mouth shut. Now the third time, I let them have it. Right? Isn't that how we think? Lord, I was really spiritual. I turned the cheek twice. I kept my mouth shut. Like we feel like we're super spiritual if we can be quiet twice. Now the third time, let it go with both barrels. And But the word says that we're to go beyond that. And when they do something evil to us, that we're to counteract it with good. I want you to think about this. How would it be, how would it be in your home if you wake up in the morning a little upset. Do any of you have days like that? I think some of us might. You come home from work and boss has been giving you grief or there's a lot of hassles on the job or car broke down or, or you know, something just draining energy out of you. And you kind of snip at your spouse or you snip at your kids. Imagine if they just came over and hugged you and said, I know, I love you, dear. I know you're having a hard day. Well, no, you're a jerk. You did this. What's, okay, well, I'm sorry. Can I do something for you today? It makes it hard to argue and fight with somebody who's not arguing and fighting with you, doesn't it? And the word says that to counteract evil, that if we want to move into a level of the spirit, that we counteract evil with good. 
It's not enough just to keep our mouth shut. I always thought like I was like super spiritual because I could walk away from things. But that's not what it says. It says that we're to overcome evil. The scripture talks to us. We're to overcome evil by doing good. Now, instead of we need to return their curse with a blessing. We're called to seek peace and pursue it. God's eyes are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their call. But God's face is against those who do evil. Do you want God to be on your side? His word says that his face is against those who do evil. That we become, in essence, God's enemies. He resists us. You know, the word says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous And his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Do you want God's blessing? Do you want his favor in your life? Do you want his joy? Do you want his peace? Do you want his strength? Then don't give in to the enticements of returning evil for evil. Don't give in to the enticements of returning a smart remark with a smart remark. Or even if we don't say anything, just breathing hard. (sighs) And stomping out. What if we return evil for good? You know what? As we conclude, it's this. Relationships are very fragile. And people are fragile. We can't handle every relationship the same. And people are precious. The most valuable thing you have in life are not things. The most valuable thing you have in life are relationships. And they're go very quickly. I would encourage you in this. Let me encourage you. Treat the relationships that God has brought into your life as precious gifts. Yeah, there's a place to have the sledgehammer and there's a place to have the pry bar and the cutting torch. But it's probably not in relationships. Probably not the place to use it. If we understand, if we follow what the word says about being compassionate and understanding, we'll understand that, you know what? Some days your husband has a horrible day and he's stressed, he's stressed to the max with things on his job and situations in maybe at work or with his family or other places. There's anxieties that he's carrying. And that's why he's a little lippy. Cut him a break once in a while. And sometimes, guys, your wives will be a little more sensitive than others. When you understand it, man, this is a gift. This is a fragile gift. I shared with you last week about the deficit. Some uh, researchers have said it takes 20 positive comments to equal or to overcome one negative word. Just one negative word. Your kids, their emotions are fragile. No, he's a tough kid. I want to make him tough. Don't make him tough. Life will make him tough. Make him confident. Fill his mind, fill her mind with words of encouragement, words of hope. Don't have them walking out the door. Like when they walk in and the tone of your voice, don't have them walking out the door with their head down. You know, life's way too short. As we close, I just want to pray. 
for you. And I want to pray this. I want to pray that God will give you wisdom to be able to see what way you need to handle your relationships. If some of you have been trying out the hammers on trying to fix your computer or your watch, something that's delicate. Uh, If some of you have been trying to use some of the tools that you use at work on relationships at home, it probably is not working out real well. Uh, And we want to pray that God will open up all of our eyes and allow us to return good for evil and to operate on a level of the spirit that few people usually get to, okay? Lord, we thank you today for the blessings of the Lord. We thank you, God, for all the good things that you brought into our lives. Lord, we thank you for the relationships, friends, family members, our brothers and sisters, our moms and dads, our grandparents, our aunts and uncles, cousins, Lord, their family, God. Lord, we thank you for our church family. We thank you for the people who we work with and our neighbors in our community. We ask you, Father, that you would allow us to interact with people in such a way that our very lives speak to the glory of God. I pray that we would not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but that we would be able to return good for evil because that's what you call us to. You call us to a higher level. Lord, I pray for the relationships. I pray that as believers, as we grow in our relationship to God, I pray that the impact of our relationship with you, of our hearing the word of God and implementing the word of God, that it would have an impact upon every one of our other relationships and that our other relationships would be healthy. They'd be marked by health and fullness of life and happiness and joy. Lord, only you, only you can change our lives and allow us to be able to respond good for evil. Only you have the ability to do that. And so we're not going to try to grit our teeth and do that. We're going to ask God that your spirit would live through us and that you would bring that transformation in our lives so that our lives touch and impact others. And in particular, Lord, Would you help us with that in our homes, with the people who really are the most important in our lives? And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.